Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails, fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. You may be seated. It's not really my opening text, it's what's on my heart. I've been feeling this all week long, and, and I didn't know exactly where, where it was going, but boy, do me a favor. Take a look at your hands for a second. Just go ahead and put them somewhere in, in front of your, your view, your eyes. Take a good look at those hands. We have such an incredible gift that God has placed in these hands. Not mine. I mean, mine too, but the hands you're looking at, your hands, an incredible gift, a gift of life, a gift of eternity, a gift of redemption, a gift of healing virtue, a gift of knowledge and understanding of the principles of God and the ways of God. We are so blessed and gifted. This isn't meant for us to hold. And every time we take this gift, every time we take this word, and every time we speak this word of truth, and we take it and we're a witness and we're salt and light to this world, that's us being mighty men and mighty women of the word and of the spirit. And Do you realize with the knowledge and the understanding and the gift and the power that you have within you, God has empowered us and blessed us to set captives free, to break yokes and bonds and chains, to reach into a world that is filled with lost captivated and chained in sin. Oh, God put it so heavy on my heart. I'm on my way to Bible study. And every time, every opportunity that we have to to share this gospel, you could look at yourself as an angel. Can you imagine what it would be like if... Over the course of the evening, the service, you're on your way home perhaps, you were visited by an angelic being. It would be perhaps life-altering and life-changing. But you have that same effect, and I have that same effect when we realize, hmm, that God has ordained us to be ministers of reconciliation. That he has commissioned. Think of it, he has commissioned us. We're on a mission and he's going with us. He will do the work. But he's given us the message to proclaim. There's power in that. Oh, Jesus' name. So with the best of my ability and with whatever anointing that you bless hmm, this place with here tonight, Jesus, we know your word is always anointed. We know that these are words of truth. And so once again, God, we're, we're yielding to you. 
And God, we're going to receive the word with gladness today, Jesus, these words of life. God, I know that you have a specific uh, message for someone, Jesus, perhaps all of us. But God, I know there's someone here tonight that needs to be encouraged by your word. And so, God, let it be as goads and nails. And if you think about that, I love the goads and nails because some things need to be nailed down. And sometimes there needs to be a prodding. Hmm. And I'm thankful tonight that I, I don't have to worry about the prodding part. I just get to nail something down. And so the opening scripture, if you'll turn with me to it, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. In Jesus' name. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Hmm. This is Paul speaking, writing a, a letter to Timothy, encouraging him. And in the process, he's saying, I know my end is near, but I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. And so for just a little while, hmm, Lord willing, we're going to talk about let's run. Say it with me. Let's run. Let's run. I almost feel like putting a behold on the front of that. Let's run. Oh, God, let's run. Let's run. Jesus. Back to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Verse 10 and 11. What, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Everyone say it with me, with thy might. It's pretty clear what the scripture's saying. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all the strength you've got. Put everything into it. Don't do it half-heartedly. Do it with thy might. For there is no work nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Now the preacher writes, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to them all. Now, I'll be totally honest with you. I've used a portion of this passage, the very last little bit of it, and I've used it in my woe-is-me moments. I have. I'll just be totally honest with you. Because sometimes it feels like life is unfair. Sometimes... Even being part of the body of Christ doesn't feel fair. It's true. Sometimes it seems as if we're dealt a bad hand. Sometimes it feels like we get things or receive things that we don't deserve. And let me just point back out what we read it's okay because although the idea is running and the idea is a race, this race, hmm, what God wants us to realize, this race here is not won by the swift. And that's good because <laughs> not all of us are swift. And there's times when we don't feel swift at all. 
Matter of fact, sometimes we may even feel hobbled. But it's okay. That will not determine whether or not you win the race. How fast you get there makes no difference at all. How bright you shine at any given moment as a shooting star does not have any bearing on you finishing that, uh, that, that crossing that finish line. It's true. Nor the battle to the strong. Well, that makes me feel pretty good because there's times we just do not feel strong. If we're honest with each other, and if we're honest with God, if we're honest with ourselves, there's times we do not feel like we're strong or perhaps we don't even feel like we've got the strength to continue on. It's okay. Your strength does not have any bearing on whether or not you finish the race. And can I tell you, finishing it is just about all that matters. <laughs> Obviously, it matters that you're running or that you're moving or that you're walking or that you're progressing forward, that you're showing some sort of sign of life. You cannot finish if you're not moving, amen? So it's okay if you don't feel like you're the strongest or that you always feel strong. It's all right. Just keep moving. Just keep walking. Perhaps just keep clawing, scratching, dragging yourself, whatever it takes. Just don't give up. Hmm. Neither yet bread to the, the wise. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> It'll never be my, my enticing words of my wisdom, that's for certain. But that's all right. Whether you feel wise or not has no bearing. <laughs> has no bearing on the bread. Every single one of us is capable of taking our experience and our knowledge and sharing it with someone else, witnessing to someone else, dragging someone else out of the miry clay. Amen. nor yet riches to men of understanding. It's okay. There's a great many things we're not going to understand. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Are they not? Let, just be honest with, with yourself. I'll be honest. There are things I question and I wonder. Sometimes, right along with that question of where are you, God, if we're honest, there's times and moments when we pose the same question, God, what are you thinking? Usually followed up by a, a, a pretty quick, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's all right. Because it's not by your own understanding. And your understanding and my understanding, our own understanding, our own intellect, our own way of thinking will have no bearing on whether we finish the race or not. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to refer to this lady as Mary because she's got a very difficult last name to pronounce. I will try one time, perhaps for your entertainment. Mary Schertenlaub. She entered the Boston Marathon in 2018. She actually finished the Boston Marathon, but it wasn't even on the same day she started. So here's how it played out. Mary was soaked to the bone, and her teeth were chattering, lips turning blue. She was soaked before the race even started. Before it even be began, she was miserable. Somehow, somehow, huh, with a warrior-like zeal or purpose. She fights her way to about the 15-mile mark. 
And if, if, if we think about it for a second, so many times we read the Bible stories and, and you read of Noah, and we don't really think of the reality of what it would have been like. But let's just stop for a second and think of running 15 miles. Has anyone here, has anyone here ever ran 15 miles? You can go ahead and raise your hand. I won't raise mine. Miranda raised hers. <laughs> I know I can't run 15 miles. I, I, I wouldn't be able to run 10. I wouldn't be able to run 5 at this point. Mary's at mile 15.5 of the 2018 Boston Marathon. And she realized she had to stop running. Her body, which over the last five years had endured round after round of chemotherapy and even a bone marrow transplant to fight off cancer three separate times. Her body was being overtaken by the cold. I'm already amazed that she made it 15 miles. But 15 miles was all she had in her. She's soaked to the bone. She's depleted of energy. And she says, at the 15-mile mark, it was bad from the get-go. The 42-year-old mother of two told Boston.com, but I was just chugging along and didn't really start feeling bad until about mile 12. Now, catch what she's saying. I was miserable the whole time, but I was able to push through till I got to about mile 12, and it starts to take its toll. And she pushes on for three more miles. Hmm. Mary said that her sneakers were already drenched by the time she took off from the starting line. Monday's race was Mary's first time running the marathon. She wanted to show others the reason why she's running, catch this, is to show others that there is hope with a cancer diagnosis. Her whole reason for running is to give someone else hope. That'll preach. If there's no other reason to run, run to give hope for someone else. If you feel like your strength is gone, if you feel like there's no purpose, I'm telling you, there's always a purpose, and he will give you strength. So run on a little while longer, even if you're only running for the hope of someone else. Mary already knew that she needed to be careful running in the driving rain and cold since she's still on medication from her 2014 bone marrow transplant. So with a poncho over a rain jacket, which kept her chest dry for a while, but the wind kept blowing off her hood, dumping water down her back. Soon her jacket and her chest were soaked and she made her first stop into a medical tent at mile 13.4. And she said, I, I happened to see a nurse <laughs> that used to treat me back in 2013. Mary said, and she was like, oh, Mary. Oh, Mary. I can just imagine it's not just, oh, Mary. It was probably like death had just come into the tent. And yet she presses on. Oh, Mary. And I was just chattering and my lips were purple. She was like, why don't you sit down and get warmed up? And you can get going again. But at that point, I just felt like I had to still keep going. She's only halfway through. She's only halfway there. So I kept 
running. But my chest was so wet. You see, her doctor had given her blessing, their blessing for her to run the 26.2 miles. But she had to promise them that if at any point she started to feel sick, that she would begin to walk and she would stop the race if it started to become too much. Only a mile and a half later, at mile 15, Mary went into another medical tent. Mentally, I was so prepared to finish that race, she said, but physically, my body just started to give in. It it was just too cold. So mile 15, I popped into another med tent, and they were like, you don't look so great. You know, we get to that point sometimes. Even regardless of the facades we put on, there's sometimes we just don't look so great. But it's okay. It's all right. I got a message for you. Keep running. Keep running. If you have to, keep walking. If you have to, keep crawling. If for no other reason at all, do it for someone else. You don't look so great. You might want to get on the shuttle and go back to Boston. The mother of two continued a little longer with her friend, Vanessa Klein, jogging along the sidewalk since the course had been opened up to traffic. She didn't stop. She kept on going. They met Klein's father not far away. He shepherded them into a nearby Dunkin' Donuts for some coffee to warm up. It's probably not even crossed her mind, but if it hasn't crossed yours, I think she lost the race. (laughs) They're now, like on stop three or four, they're in Dunkin' Donuts. She's not going to win. She may not even finish. Hmm. But she's doing what she can. She's not giving up quite yet. Mary said she realized at that moment it wasn't smart for her to continue. She had been running for five hours already. So let me re-ask the question, Sister Miranda. Have you ever ran for five hours? All right, there you have it. Has anyone else ever ran for five hours? I can't even imagine running for five hours. But she had been running for five hours. Hmm. I thought about how much further I had to go, and I looked at the weather forecast hour by hour, and it was supposed to pour until 8, she said. It seemed not that far in my mind because, because I've been training, and I've done that amount, I've gone that distance easily. But I haven't done it soaked for hours in the pouring rain. It was at that point that her husband, Rich, came and he picked her up. And he told her, why don't you go home? Now now listen to this. Mary, why don't you go home, take a shower, change into warm clothes, eat dinner, and then we'll go back out and we'll finish the race. It sounds like it's not right. It sounds like perhaps once you start the race, you should continue to race until you finish the race. But it speaks to me. Because although, yes, we need to keep running and we need to not give up and not stop, there are times when you may just have to do something unconventional, do something out of character, Do something that defies logic or even defies the normal patterns. Defies defies the normal way of thinking. I would say even as the body of Christ. Even as those who perhaps are not weak or or at this very moment. and, 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 And maybe we're not struggling. Maybe for us we need to realize, wait a second. We don't need to be on the sidelines saying... Oh, wait a second, foul, that's not, they just cheated. That's not in the rule book. 
or something of that nature. She didn't give up. The advice is, you know what? Let's just get you a little bit warmed up in a little bit better condition. You've gone and pressed as far as you can. It makes me think of the Good Samaritan. Got to think outside of the box just a little bit. Maybe you touch something we don't normally touch or, or go to a place we don't normally go. It's okay. She's not quitting. And it may just take us doing something to help someone else that's a little bit out of the norm. But it's all right. We're offering hope. Amen. So that's exactly what they did. Go home, eat, get warmed up, come back, start from Dunkin' Donuts. And friends started to show up for the Boston couple along the route to cheer and to offer granola bars. The race is mostly over, you would think. Mary said that she was so exhausted and she had to walk the last two miles. But she told herself, no matter what, no matter what, I'm running down Bolston. She said, I don't care how wrecked I feel. I'm turning that last corner and I'm running. Oh, this spoke to me. This moved me. If anyone had a reason to throw in the towel, to give up, for sure it would have been Mary. But something for just a race, for just a, a, a run across town, something moved her and motivated her to the point where she would not and could not give up. No matter how wrecked I feel, I'm going to run that last leg. And as we got closer, we could hear people cheering and could see that people were still there waiting. It's 12.18 a.m. the next day as Mary crosses that finish line. And they were still there waiting and they ran across the finish line together. And I quote, Mary said, and I just burst into tears. It's not for the swift. When you get there, on the way, before you get there, you're never going to be running alone. We will never be running alone. He will never leave us or forsake us. And no matter how weary we may seem, and no matter what the circumstances seem around us, you're never alone here either. Because there are those, there's always those that are healthy. There's always those that are willing to step out and to reach and to walk with you. And as you begin to walk and as you begin to uh, perhaps get your wind back a little bit, get some warmth back, you're going to start to notice things around you that it's not just you and God. It's not just you and your friend, but there are others and there are other people reaching. There's, other, there's the body of Christ and we are together and we're moving forward in this thing together. All right, so turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. Let's talk about those a little less fortunate. Genesis chapter 29. Not everyone is strong. Not everyone is wise. Not everyone has that zeal or that passion. Not everyone's blessed in those ways. But it's all right. I would say that no matter where we look, we'll always find someone stronger than us. We'll always find someone more blessed than us. We'll always find someone more intelligent than us, more prepared than us, more capable than us. But once again, it's not about those things. Those won't, will not determine 
your course in your race. Amen. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 31. And just to set this up, this is about Leah. And I want to try and look at Leah from a little bit different perspective than perhaps we normally look at Leah. You know, Leah's in a place that she did not necessarily ask to be in. Jacob comes to Uncle Laban, and he agrees to work seven years for Rachel, right? Think about that for a second. For seven years, Leah sees the love that Jacob has for Rachel. For seven years, she knows how passionate Jacob is for Rachel. For seven years, she knows that her younger sister is desired and she is not. And yet, on that one day, she finds herself married in covenant relationship with Jacob. I don't see anywhere in scripture where she asked to be there. I don't see any inclination or any way we can draw from scripture that that she's positioned herself here, that she did anything to find herself right here, right now. Matter of fact, if you go back and look at when when Jacob actually sees Rachel for the first time, there's some depth there. Yes, she was beautiful, but it's clearly in the text that she was a woman with sight and vision, a woman that knew how to carry herself and was was worth something. She was a shepherdess. She knew what she was doing. And when the Bible describes uh, Leah, not only does it say that she was soft eyes and that she wasn't pleasant to look upon, but another rendering actually says that, that she, her eyes were dim. Think of it. Dim eyes. What's that saying? She wasn't sure of herself like Rachel was sure of herself. She didn't know how she, she didn't have the same worth or value in life and life skills. And so it wasn't just that Rachel was beautiful, but she was awesome and cool and had everything to offer a man that was looking for a wife. And Leah was completely the opposite. And here she finds herself married to Jacob. And granted, at verse 31, another week has gone by. And now she's not even the only bride. One week alone with Jacob. That's all she had. And then Rachel's now his wife also. And so with that backdrop, verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, and the word hated there doesn't mean that she was hated. She was unloved. You see, the Bible will do this sometimes. It will will take a word and overemphasize. But that word means literally that she was unloved. So she was not hated. She just was not loved. The Lord saw that Leah was hated, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Verse 32, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. You know why she called his name Reuben? Because she gave him a name that was, 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 it was, she was expressing her emotions. She was expressing what she was feeling. And Reuben, it literally means unloved. She was stating, I'm unloved. You realize this is at least nine months and one week down the road, perhaps a little longer, and she feels unloved still. 
Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. So if anyone felt like they were underachievers, dealt a bad hand in a place, here we find Leah desperate to be loved. And she's unloved. And I'll tell you, sometimes we feel that way. There are those times, and if we're all honest, when we feel alone and unloved. First John, chapter 4. She's looking for her husband to fill this need. And I'll remind you, she's so close. She's so close to covenant promise. The promise of Abraham and of Isaac, that covenant promise was with Jacob. She's so close to it, but she's looking at Jacob and she's not even realizing how close she is to the covenant and she's looking only at Jacob. And yet God's right here. God's so close. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. John chapter 4 in verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. No matter what Leah did, she wasn't going to be able to change Jacob's affection. And the good news is, when we feel unloved, it's not a matter of what we need to do to change God's affection. His affection is already there. Whether we feel loved or not, whether we perceive that or not, whether we feel like we've got to do something to earn it, no, it's already there. His love is already there and he already, he already loves you, Leah. His covenant is right there for you, but you're just looking a little bit ah, in the wrong direction. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. God loved us first, amen? In verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. I'm just telling you in the word tonight, God loves you. Whether you feel loved or not, God does love you. God does love you. Don't let feeling on love discourage you to the point where you step away or you quit running this race, where you quit walking this walk or you quit crawling this crawl. Crawl a little bit more. Walk a little bit more. Start to run a little bit more. And you're going to start feeling that love. Oh, Jesus. Back to Genesis, chapter 29. I talk often about threes, right? That was the first one. It doesn't stop there. Verse 33. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Simeon. Surprise, surprise, means heard. She's saying, because the Lord has heard me. What does this tell us? Another year or perhaps longer has gone by. Not only does she feel unloved, but she feels unheard. And let's just be real here for a second. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus, in your name. Right here, right now, God. I know you're speaking and I know you're moving. I know you have a word for us tonight, Jesus. 
And so, Lord, we're going to go ahead and we're going to be obedient to your word. Let your word minister and let it touch the heart as only you can do. This work that you are doing, Jesus. Oh, we're going to receive it in Jesus' name. Take your liberty in this place, God. Touch what you're going to touch. Heal what you're going to heal. Stir what you're going to stir in the name of Jesus. You may feel unheard. Don't buy into the lie in the facade. You are loved. And you are heard. You are loved and you are hurt. Once again, Lee is, is looking to the man, to the man, lowercase m. God always hears. Leah, you are so close to covenant. You are so close. And if you could just look a little bit in another direction, oh, how close you are to covenant. You may feel like you are unheard, but you are never unheard. God hears you. God hears you. He loves you. Oh, he loves you. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. There could be a great many scriptures we could look up. But for the sake of time, we'll just look up one. Be not like, be not therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you even ask him. Before you even ask him. You, you know what this is saying, what I have to point out, what God wants you to know. Before you even felt the need to be heard, he heard you. It's all right, this won't make sense to the natural man. This is going to be contrary to what we feel, but that's okay because the heart is deceitfully wicked. Don't listen to the heart. Let's listen to God's word. Don't listen to the pain, Mary. Push on a little bit more. Don't stop. Don't listen to all your instinct that is telling you you don't have the power. You don't have the strength. You don't have what it takes to keep going. No, there's someone here telling you, just think a little bit different, a little bit outside of what you've been listening to, and listen to the word of the Lord. He hears you before you ever even needed for him to hear you. It's true. Oh, Jesus. Back to Genesis chapter 29. That was the second time. Here's the third. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time, surely this time, I, 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 three children I've given him and there is only children. I, he's got to, he's got to love me now. He's got to hear me now. Now this time will my husband be joined unto me. Because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi. Surprise, surprise. Levi means attached. How long has she been married? She has felt unloved. And not because of anything she's done, right or wrong. She's felt unheard. Once again, not because of anything she said in motion. All she's done has been obedient. And really all she's done is become part of God's covenant promise. But she's not focused on it. She's not realizing it. And she's looking at the natural realm and at the man to fulfill her need. And she feels unattached and outside of covenant. Hmm. Oh, Jesus. We'll just turn one page back for this one. And this isn't the first time it's mentioned. This is just how close she actually is to the truth. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 13. This is God reestablishing his covenant with Jacob. This is God reestablishing a covenant that Jacob was a part of and that he, 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 he was born into. 
when his father, Isaac, had the same covenant that he was born into, and it was the same covenant that Jacob's grandpa, Abraham, was given of God. And here it continues. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And I'll remind you, Jacob is a fugitive at this very moment. So he's not feeling like he's all empowered and that he's accomplished all these great things. No, he's in the middle of being a liar and a deceiver. And yet God's speaking to him and saying, guess what? You're part of the covenant. And guess what? I will be faithful to my covenant. Hmm. Verse 14, in thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. I love that. I find myself praying it more and more all the time. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. Jesus. Ah. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee. At that very moment, Jacob was running for his life. Jacob felt unloved. Jacob felt unheard. <laughs> and Jacob felt disconnected. Amen. Whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. Hmm. That's covenant. And so, not by anything of her own doing, but Leah finds herself joined to this covenant, not even realizing it. Three times she took this. And what do I always say? Three times in the scripture, it's the extent of what you can do in the natural realm. It's the limitation of man. So when you've pushed as far as you can and you don't feel like you have any more in you, just go a little bit further, just a little bit further. Reach a little bit more. Scratch, crawl, walk, run, whatever you got to do. Just keep pushing forward. Don't stop, but run, baby, run. Hmm. The fourth time, there goes my notes. Uh, I was done with those. Number four. Verse 35, and she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. Ha. So, Brother Kylie, what does Judah mean? Praise. You realize what she's saying. Huh. I felt unloved. I felt unheard. I felt disconnected, but I'm starting to realize something. I'm part of something. I am something. I am somebody, and I'm just going to praise, and my answer's in praise. Hmm. You know what she realized and determined? I'm going to push a little further. I'm going to get beyond what I felt before, and I'm going to reach a little bit more in the spiritual, and I know that that God that promised that to Jacob is right there for me to be in covenant with. It's the same for you and I. So as I draw near to a close. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. More than just words. It's your word, Jesus. It's your example. This is for us, Jesus. And we receive it in your name. We receive it in your name, Jesus. He is the answer. Ah, and praise is always in order. So turn with me, if you would, to one last scripture, Hebrews chapter 11. And we're really going to 12, but I just got to stop for a praise break in chapter 11 for a moment. And we'll read it Rob Meyer highlighted style. We call Hebrews the hall, uh, 11 the hall of faith, right? Because this is the elders. 
This is where by faith the elders lived and walked and, and, and continued faithfully to run this race. And guess what? We could look at every single one of these mighty men of the word. And we could see how every single one of them came from dysfunctional families. Made all kinds of horrible mistakes. Found themselves down and out how many times over. Let me really step on it for a second here. I have felt at times that these men were untouchable. I have felt because they're in the word of God. They're at some higher plane than I could ever be at. But you do realize they were just men. And, and they had the same struggles that you and I have. They had the same doubts. They made the same mistakes. Hopefully some of them made worse mistakes than we will ever make. I sure hope so. When I think of David. Hmm. The point is this. If they did it, so can you. Matter of fact, I would say, since we've been endued with power from on high, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> we don't just got to hear from God every great once in a while, perhaps through some prophet or something of that nature, or some rare visitation by the angel of the Lord, but we've got the complete word of God right here, the the. the how did Brother Kylie say it? The, 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 the manual, the service manual for your heart. Right here. Covenant relationship in detail. Right here. Promises in detail. Right here. I, I would say, if they did it, we have no excuse. And if they could run, oh, let's run. Oh, let's run. So, Verse 3, through faith we understand. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered. It was by faith in 5 that Enoch was translated. In verse 6, um, well, I'll go to 7. In verse 7, by faith Noah prepared. Uh, why do I read it this way? A, it saves a little bit of time. It hits the highlights. But guess what? In faith prepare. He prepared for how many years? Up to 120 years. You talk about faith. It had never rained before. He's building a boat on dry land. That's faith. But by faith, hmm, he prepared. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed. By faith in verse 9, he sojourned or he traveled through life. Verse 11, through faith Sarah received strength to conceive seed. I'll say that one again. It was through faith that she re received strength to conceive. Ah, in Jesus' name, oh, in this place of faith, let faith be rising even here right now, Jesus. Speak in your words of truth. Let faith rise and bring strength, Lord, even to conceive the possibility of your promise. Verse 13, all these died in faith, not having received the promises. They saw him afar off, but they finished the course. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. By faith, in 20, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. It was by faith that he spoke a word of faith. Verse 21, by faith Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph. By faith Joseph made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. Do you just see the progression there by faith? It was just mentioned three times in, in, in this covenant family. By faith, he spoke into a child. By faith, he spoke into children. And then by faith, he loosed a nation through his words of faith. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. Verse 24, or verse 23, by faith, Moses was hid 
Verse 24, by faith Moses refused to be called the son. Sometimes there's, we're going to need to be refused to take on a label. Because guess what? The label's going to say, no, you're useless, you're worthless, no one loves you. That voice is going to label you with the, the label of unloved. No, by faith, you're loved. In faith, God loves you. Hmm. You're going to be labeled by that voice of unheard. Huh. But in faith, no, God has heard you before you even cried out to him. Huh. In faith, you are loved. And in faith, we worship. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out of time. By faith, he forsook Egypt. 28, through faith, he kept. We keep things through faith. We keep hope through faith. By faith, walls fell down in verse 30. By faith, Rahab perished not in verse 31. Verse 33, we can stand who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the intruders or the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again through faith. This is a place of faith. Right here, right now, this sanctuary is a sanctuary of faith. This is a sanctuary where we can come and get reprieve from doubt and the stresses of this world and, and of life. Where perhaps at times we feel beat down and we feel unloved and we, we feel unheard. Feel disconnected. Not here. Here, this is a place of faith. And even right now, no matter where you're at or who you are, you can reach forth in faith. And, and, and God loves you. He's already heard you. And he wants to be in covenant with you. Huh. And when that happens, oh, yes, there will be praise. There will be praise in Jesus' name. So... Verse 39 says this, And all these having obtained a good report through their faith, received not the promises. And here we go. We started out talking about running in, in a race. And, and keep the marathon race in mind here. Verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, the patriarchs of old, that they without us, should not be made perfect or complete. What this is saying ah, is they ran their race so that you and I could. They took it as far as they could go and now that baton of faith has been handed to you. It's your turn to take that thing and run. And I'm telling you, no matter what you're feeling, whether it be unloved, unheard, disconnected, disjointed, whatever it may be, God wants you to know tonight, mm, keep running. And it's not going to end with you. Because if the Lord should tarry, we will hand this baton off to someone else. And I'll even say this, Brother Cordell, 40 years and we have this to work with. If the Lord should tarry, when you hand this thing off, and when we hand this thing off, oh my lanta, what this is going to look like. So for the sake of someone else, run, baby, run. Oh, run. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Also, as I open this altar, even right here, let there be a laying aside of weights tonight. Lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher 
of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. This altar's open. I'm going to invite you. Come and perhaps recommit to this run, to this race, to this walk. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.